Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard here on 94.3 wsc every saturday morning from 9 to 9 30 or you may be listening to us via podcast at our website at coastalwm.com a great saturday morning i'm one of your hosts eric cox here with the crew this morning the whole crew good morning eric this is byron and I'm Leslie Haywood. Thanks for having me. And it's I'm so excited because you're not really a host today. I mean, you're pretending, right? Yeah, this is weird. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> talk about, we'll talk about that in a minute. All right. Happy I'm post-Thanksgiving. Hopefully post- everybody had a great Thanksgiving last weekend. Leslie, we missed you over the last few weeks. And I you know. were out, as usual, having fun times. But we're glad to have you back. And uh, here we are. Gosh, it's hard to believe. Uh, in December, mm-hmm. with just a few weeks left in 2019. Wow. Crazy. Well, what did I miss? Well, you missed a phenomenal show, of course. As always. Actually, uh, Elisa Knopfel, uh, who is the founder and president of Ballyhoo Social, was on the last two weeks. And really, she did a phenomenal job. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought, uh, uh, Byron, I know we talked about this last week in terms of her first half of her story. But uh, in terms of what she did in her second half, what was a takeaway or a nugget for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's just you know an incredible entrepreneur, and what what a story! It's definitely worth a listen if you haven't had a chance. So please go to our website coastalwm.com, and in the top right hand corner, click the radio show podcast and uh, give it a listen. But uh, one of the things she said that I think is a great takeaway, just when it comes to entrepreneurship uh, in general, she said, "You either act." Or let everything just happen to you, and I think that's just a testament to the one of the greatest benefits of entrepreneurship is that you are your own boss. You create, and it's so. I think that's that, that's the best benefit of entrepreneurship. So. Yeah, yeah. She also mentioned, and you'll hear this if you go check out the the podcast um, about the story of her being down in the Tampa airport. Oh and yeah. A young lady that was next to her, some college student, was on Facebook looking for a date. And this was right when Facebook had just gotten started, and she kind of inquired, like, what are you doing, and what's that all about? And the light bulb went off, and from there it snowballed into what she now owns, which is, again, Ballyhoo Social uh, here in the Low Country. So crazy how businesses can get started. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great little, uh, great, great show to, you know, get into social media. And, you know, they were one of the first social media companies in the country. Well, So, Eric, uh, why don't you... Tell us who we have today as our guest. Well, unfortunately, we're going to dumb the show down a little bit today. Um, but a few few months ago, I think Leslie brought up the fact, like, Eric, you've been doing the show for five years, yes. and I bet the listeners would love to know more about your background yes. and your entrepreneurship. And so at first, I said, that doesn't sound like a great idea. But you know, we're about to wind out the year, and we always try to do unique things towards year end. And so, uh, yeah, today I'm actually sitting on the other side of the table in this hot seat, and it feels really weird and uncomfortable, and you two are starting to scare me because I know you have questions that you're going to throw at me that I'm not prepared for. I love it. I know. Memoirs of Eric Cox. Yes, I know. We need to... to. (laughs) If you're looking for a humorous show this morning, you pick the right one to listen to. Yes. So, Eric, and um, how do you pronounce your name? (laughs) 
<laughs> Eric Cox. Eric thank Cox? you very much. Yeah, I appreciate yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. Wonderful. Why don't and you, you give are... us a quick little elevator pitch as to what company you work for, Eric? <laughs> this is great. So, <laughs> so our, our firm is Coastal Wealth Management here in Charleston. And You're the uh, president? We are a, I'm the president of Coastal Wealth Management, and we are a full services financial firm really focused on, uh, I know this word gets used way too much, but the holistic approach to financial planning. Really, our whole precipice is this that we enjoy working with clients, helping them think through all the different facets of their life. And I think in our industry today, too many people say they are financial planners when really they, they manage money. And what we try to do is manage a process, a wealth planning process. So we help folks with their estate planning, you know, tax mitigation, obviously managing wealth, all encompassed into a process. Oh, that's good. Well, shoot, I can't wait to hear more about it considering I've been in it eight years <laughs> with you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, as you know, this show is about uh, the people you know and the stories you don't, and that takes it to a whole nother level because I think we all know Eric pretty well. So I'm curious to see if we're going to uh, learn maybe one or two nuggets about you today. But if you wouldn't mind going all the way to the very beginning, I know you are from Kentucky, but yeah. if you'd like to uh, start there and get the ball rolling. This is really weird, by the way, folks. Uh, <laughs> born and raised up in Ashland, Kentucky, eastern Kentucky, right on the border of uh, Huntington, West Virginia, and Ironton, Ohio. They call that the tri-state area. And um, my whole family's from there, from eastern Kentucky. And so um, spent you know all my years growing up there as a youngster. And um, dad, mom and dad owned a business. And so they had a organization called Tri-State Waterproofing. Um, Byron, you're probably too young to even know what waterproofing is, but back in the day they had basements, and when well, you've always been down here, right? No, they had basements true. that um, waterproofing basements was an issue because they would get leaks. And so we were the first one in that area to come up with the idea of a waterproofing business. Your dad came up with that idea and just, you know, where did that, where uh, did his question. entrepreneurship come from? Uh, dad was always an entrepreneur. Um, when He grew up on a farm in eastern Kentucky and when he went off to um, college as a youngster, he actually graduated two years early, went off to college in Moorhead, Kentucky, Moorhead State University. And while he was in college, he opened up a shop on the main street of Moorhead called Jim's Haberdashery, which was a men's clothing store. And he met mom and she went to work with him in the store. And from that moment on, for the rest of life, they really ran businesses together. All kinds of businesses. All kinds of businesses, yeah. Um, That's really cool. Well, I know crazy. one of the common themes of this show is nature versus nurture. And where does the entrepreneurial spirit come from? Does it come I, yeah. from? And it's different for everybody. So it'll be a common theme as we you know, progress through the show to see where your entrepreneurial spirit really came from. Well, it's interesting because, again, dad did not grow up in an entrepreneurial family. Um, mom did. Uh, her, her dad, my grandfather, was entrepreneurial. But uh, my dad's parents, um, his mother worked at Moorhead State university and his dad um um worked a lot of different kind of state jobs and doing pavement and stuff like that and then ultimately ended up in the trading business of guns and knives up in kentucky so no entrepreneur spirit whatsoever from there down (laughs) to my father but certainly from i think mom and dad to me that trickled down and what's your what's your sibling relationship how many brothers you're the baby of how many so i have an older sister uh michelle who is uh about seven years older than me, and then my brother Chris, who's out in Texas, who's five years older. And what were you like at school? So I was sh- very shy. Really? Uh, extremely shy, and I was very much into my studies. Like, you know, if I got a 92, I was upset and always studied and just remember as a kid, just anytime we were trying to go somewhere or do something as a family, I was like, when are we going to get back to the house so I can study? That sounds wow. more firstborn than baby. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That is. 
Well, that's crazy. And so what kind of hobbies did you dabble in when you were younger? I know you were very studious, but... I was studious, but when you grew up in Kentucky, you know, the day you're born, they put a basketball in your hand. So I loved basketball. Is that why they're so good? Uh, You know, it's just, that's all there is to do. Um, So I, I had... You know, basketball was a big part of my life. I did play baseball and football, but basketball is always sort of my, my first love and spent lots of time playing basketball. And um, really, again, you know, being a student um, dedicated to basketball and then really just being a part of the family business. Our, our business, the operation was actually in our basement. We had a full office built out down under our house. Mm. And so dad had, you know, 40, 50 employees. And so they would come and check in downstairs and the operation was ran out of the basement of the house. 40 so, or 50 employees. Yeah, yeah, it was a big operation. Yeah. Talk about an incredible exposure. That, that's pretty unique to grow up with, you know, home office with 40, 50 people coming in and it, out. It was, I mean, you know, we were a part of that, right? We were down there all the time. We'd go downstairs and kind of that was my playhouse when I was a kid and, you know, I knew all the workers, and um, it was just, it was all intermingled to me. I didn't know any difference. Do you have any crazy stories that you witnessed or were a part of? <sighs> Not that, that I time? remember of. Um, and I, just, I remember there were some very intense times growing up. I mean, you could tell the stress of the business and, and that with my dad and my mom. There were definitely moments growing up like, you know, I don't know why they're not getting along. Never could be us. The kids were all perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the business put a lot of stress on them. And so when you were in your studies, what were you studying to be? What did you want to do? So when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a doctor. Um, I had some um, doctors upline in my family, um, in my you know, uncles and, and great-great-grandpa. My great-great-grandfather was a doctor. And so that was just something, I don't know where it came from, to say I want to be a doctor. Uh, probably just the furthest thing away from what my parents did is what I was thinking at really? that time. Really? So yeah. that almost so that business almost turned you off of entrepreneurship. I think so, just because the stress the and it was twenty four seven. Like we lived it, breathed it all day, every day. And I think probably for me, it was like, you know, there's got to be a better way to there's do this. There's something different. Well, that okay. gave you a realistic exposure into entrepreneurship. It's not easy at all, at all. So mom and dad w- worked very, very hard. Yeah. Well, All the time. That's entrepreneurship. So the evolution of Eric Cox, as he gets older, he goes through high school and then goes off to college. Walk us through where you went to college. How did that decision come about and what was you know going through your mind at that time? Well, there's a little, as always, a little more to the backdrop. So mom and dad ran that business. And unfortunately, I don't think, now that I look back, they were thoughtful enough about competition. Because at the time, we were the only gig in town. And then competition started happening, and uh, the waterproofing business became flooded with individuals doing it. And so I don't think mom and dad really reinvented themselves very well with that. And unfortunately, uh, we went from doing very well, making good money, living a nice lifestyle, to basically broke. And so they lost the business, and um, ultimately at that time, we had to reinvent ourselves as a family. And mom and dad... Uh, I don't know how it came about, but discovered sort of a whole new world in the t-shirt business. And, and we, how old were you at this point? I was uh, probably you know, 12, thir- uh, probably 13, 14 around at that point uh, that they started to discover it. So mom and dad were on the road a lot at this point. They were going to Gatlinburg, Tennessee and Myrtle Beach to sell to uh, the beachwear store owners t-shirts. And they get got into all the other junk that they sell at the beachwear stores. And um, they came in one day when I was 15. Uh, I was a freshman, halfway through my freshman year in high school. And they walked in and said, son, we're going to uh, leave Kentucky, which is all I've ever known, and we're going to move to Myrtle Beach. And so halfway through my freshman year, we picked up and moved down to Myrtle Beach. 
And overnight, you know, I became a beach bum. Oh my gosh! From the mountains to the beach. Yeah, literally. I remember a surfer guy. I remember uh, about four or five months after we uh, moved to Myrtle Beach, my dad walked in one day and he said, "Son, what's what's wrong with you? What's happened to you? Like, what do you mean?" He's like, "Well, look at you." And you know, think about four or five months earlier, I was in Kentucky. I'm wearing flannels and boots, and here I am, four or five months later. I'm wearing flip-flops, T-shirts, and every other word was dude. And so um, I became the culture that we were in. And I started surfing. I quit playing basketball. And I surfed every day of my life in high school. And unfortunately, my studies became a little less That was going to be my next question. My life. Yes, 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 um, yes. Really, at that point, started having fun and wanted to surf and had switched really my outlook in life from wanting to be a doctor to now, all of a sudden, somehow I decided I wanted to be a lawyer. Oh, but still extremely ambitious. Want to be do professional. The doctor, yeah. you knew you wanted to be professional even if you were saying dude every That's other That's correct. <laughs> Great combo. The dude. Right? <laughs> so where did where were you thinking about college? I mean, obviously, lawyer, you got to go to college. So yeah. as your high school. So as we were wounding up high school in, in uh, Myrtle Beach at Sacristy High School, um, me and one of my good buddies were trying to figure out where to go. And um, I wish I had a great story of why I chose my, my institution um, but actually was uh, dating a lady who was a year older than me that came to the College of Charleston. And I said, you know what? Uh, it sounds like a great place to go. I came down and visited a few times, fell in love with Charleston. And in 1989, uh, came to Charleston to go to CFC. Wow. To Which, by the way, lawyer? was the same year uh, as Hugo. Yes, 1989. I, I graduated to come to Charleston. Year. So we were here for about a month. Uh, what was it, September 21st? Yeah. So we were in school for about a month. And then Hugo came and wrecked everything. And so it was kind of a wild first uh, you know, s- uh, semester at CFC, uh, but ended up just absolutely loving my time at the College of Charleston and uh, uh, had a great opportunity, I think, to discover you know, a lot about myself, as I think most people do in college. Well, we it's funny. We ended up uh, coming to Charleston at the exact same time, just in a different uh, manner, I guess, since I was born. And you were probably, yeah, zero <laughs> one at that time. Thank you for the reminder, though, Brian. Yeah, I just, really do appreciate that. Casual little uh, nudge over there. So, yeah, so I know you had a great time in college. So kind of walk us through the evolution of Eric Cox wanting to be an attorney, going through college, and then what did that lead to? Well, and just what I love about doing this show, right? We hear the past of people and the twists and the turns, and certainly my life is no different. Um, unfortunately for me, because of my parents' experiences, you know, my older brother, my older sister um, kind of went down a path. And, and so dad, by the time he got to me, I think was, you know, kind of uh, mm-hmm. kind of weary and leery of, of kids and trying to rediscover himself and the business and all that. And so he pretty much said, look, you're on your own about college. And so I spent all my time at college or most of my time working, um, which, um, again, I'd always worked in the business for mom and dad. Uh, matter of fact, when I was in high school, I was working in Myrtle Beach. Um, and I'm going to get to your answer in a minute, but it's mm-hmm. reflecting, um, selling the beachwear store owners. And so I would travel around with mom in this big, huge white truck that had uh, racks in the back and uh, store owners would come on we'd like park in the back alley and they would come on and pick out their what they wanted and then we would go order it from china and ship it in and i just remember going into like beachware store owners and i would ask for hey is solomon here today and the guy would look at me oh solomon's not in today and come back next week and then i'd walk like around the corner hide behind a rack and i'd look over and i'd see some guy walk up to that same guy i just spoke to and say hey solomon what do you think about <gasps> this and so then i'd run back out and be like hey solomon and i'd catch him and uh, so you just you learn a lot right from that and so i really i always worked really hard and so when i got to college and knew i had to pay for it 
there was no difference. Like, just go to work. And so I worked at the Mills House uh, Hotel here in town and in the um, Barbados room Yeah, as a waiter, um, doing the table side cooking and had a chance to um, be able to use my, uh, uh, my, my love for people. You know, I was obviously making money, but I got to sit there waiting on people, having those conversations. And I think waiting tables in an environment like that's one of the greatest opportunities to hone in your skills right. of communication um, with people. And I, I really fell in love with that role and dealing with people. I do have a quick question for you, continuing that story. So when you were younger, you were you said painfully shy, and then over time you started growing your love for people. What 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 do you attribute that that personal growth, that social growth to? That's a wonderful question. I don't know if I've ever thought about it, Byron. Um, probably just being thrown to the wolves kind of thing, right? You just yeah. you know, when I went off to college I was still pretty shy and you know, I had to go work and figure things out and I think college and working in a restaurant just yeah, converted me to a, a, a open personality, less shy, and, and really adopting and loving that. Um, and at you know, the Mills House, you had great people that would come through there, and we had all kinds of famous people and movie stars, and I got to meet them, and they would be there for a week, and you get to build relationships with them. And one of the people who came through at the time was the president of Pepperdine University Law School. I said, well, I'm thinking about being a lawyer, and he said, man, we right? would love for you to come out, Pepperdine, fly out. You know, we'll give you a tour, but, you know, look, we'd love to have you there. And so that really propelled my passion and my thought, man, I want to be a lawyer. Um, so that was really exciting for me. I actually started doing some grunt work for um, uh, some attorneys out of Columbia, Kermit and King. And um, I was doing grunt work down here in Charleston, you know, carrying boxes to the courthouse and stuff like that. And it's funny, all the lawyers I would meet around here were like, you don't want to be a lawyer. Don't do <sighs> it. And I was like, more people kept saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And then by the time I got to my senior year at College of Charleston, um, I was getting tired. You know, I was working so much, and the books for the legal classes I was taking over there were huge. Sure. And then probably the biggest thing was like, okay, college is, you know, law school is really expensive. And so I thought, you know what? How can I take a break, go make some money, and go back to law school? And so I did get accepted to Carolina. I was going to go there, but uh, decided to take a one-year hyenas. And um, a very dear friend of mine that most of the listeners probably know, Mr. Rick Durkee, who does a show here as well on 94.3, was in the financial services business. And he said, look, once you come do this, you can make some money and go back to law school uh, in a year. And so I thought, that sounds like a pretty good idea. I need a break. And let me go do that. And it was 28 years ago. Oh, my gosh. Now, what did you graduate? What degree did you have at College of Charleston? Just a, a general business degree. I had my Bachelor of Science in Business Administration. And how was your how was your social life back then? I didn't get to have a huge social life because mm-hmm. I was working so much. Um, I you know I found my moments. Right, right, I, right. I dated the same girl pretty much all through college. Right, I worked all through college. It was kind of a a bland you know college experience, other than the fact that I just loved the freedom and I loved discovering who I was. And Lee is so amazing. I can't wait to get to the point where she comes into your life. Yeah, that's that's a little ways down the road. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you, you kind of get pulled under uh, Rick Durkee's wing. And I know we talk about entrepreneurship, how helpful it can be sometimes to have a mentor. Walk us through the process of having a mentor, getting started in a business where there's so much competition and the success rate, I think, is less than 
Yeah, so, you know, I, I was in Charleston. Rick was actually at Myrtle Beach at the time, and so he recommended me or brought me in. But actually, I'm going to give a lot of credit to uh, two gentlemen here in Charleston, Mr. Ed Cook, who's still in the industry, and Mr. Tim Burdick, who is over in Atlanta now. Uh, Ed and Tim took me in. I went to work for a Prudential right out of college, more on the, the life insurance side. Um, you know, learning to go out, hit the streets, knock on doors, uh, dialing for dollars, cold calling, doing all that kind of stuff. And uh, my territory was Monk's Corner in the beginning. And so I was driving up to Monk's Corner every day. And what year was this? What's that? What year was this? 93? Uh, it was 1993. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I think going back in, in my time, the value of always knowing how to work hard, that's one thing I just knew how to do. I wasn't the smartest guy in the room, but I just knew I could outwork anybody. And so I was the first one in. I was the last one to leave. Um, and I just put my head down and I just did it and I knew it was hard, but I knew at some point it would get easier and, and, you know, you just keep working and working, but having those mentors, I mean, Ed and Tim and Rick, all those guys were just amazing in, in giving me confidence and believing in me and, and cultivating me and beat me up when I need to be smacked around a little bit and just kept my head down. And funny story was, uh, early on about a year and a half into my, my career, um, Ed oversaw a territory that was Myrtle Beach, Charleston, Hilton Head, and Savannah. And our manager in Savannah, uh, unfortunately, lost his job kind of un- really quickly. And um, about a week before that happened, I had saw an article in the Post and Courier about Savannah. And I just, for some reason, read it. I'd never been there. But it talked all about Savannah. And so a week later, this guy loses his job. I go to Ed, and I said, Ed, I want to be the manager of the Savannah office. And he laughed at me. He's like, Eric, you're 22 years old. <gasps> And he goes, and you don't even know anything about Savannah. I'm like, yes, sir, I do. And I rattled off all the facts about Savannah. And he's like, wow, you know a lot about Savannah. And i never forget, Ed said to me, Eric, be careful what you wish for. And sure enough, he ended up sending me down to Savannah, and I spent two years down there managing a small operation. Great experience, but can you imagine a 22-year-old walking in, and my eldest advisor that represents working with us was 64, 65 years old. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, he taught me a lot more than I ever taught him. But it was a great experience and ultimately missed Charleston. And so two years later, uh, came back to Charleston and uh, left at that point Prudential, went to work for New York Life, ended up spending the next 18 years of my career working uh, for New York Life in the management capacity. And you were very much the corporate man. When did, but did you always have at this point in your career, because I want to get to, you know, how why you were the extraordinaire president extraordinaire so how did that happen so i spent 18 years in the corporate world yep and really loved my my opportunities there um it gave me a chance to meet a lot of great people uh, i was in the recruiting training developing role ended up traveling the country a lot for new york life and and kind of coaching and teaching other agencies how to grow and build and do the job and then 2008 came and 2008 mm-hmm. for me was really the post 08 you know 9 10 era yeah uh, I saw a change in all corporations. It wasn't just that company. All companies changed. And it felt like it went from c- corporations being family and, and a great vibe and feel to, you know, it's just about the, the profits and the expenses. And, uh, again, nothing against that company. All companies went through that after 08. And I became very disenfranchised with that. Um, I'll never forget going to see my mentor, uh, Mr. Gary Kinder, who's out in Dallas, Texas. And he uh, – I told him, you know, I'm just, I don't know what's going on, but I'm having these emotions and feelings. And he gave me a book called Halftime by Bob Buford. 
And right on the front cover, it says, How to Take Your Life from Success to Significance. Oh, wow. I remember reading that book over and over again. And I looked back at my life and said, You know what? We've done a lot that's pretty successful according to the worldly standards. You you can check Mm -hmm. the boxes. But it didn't feel very significant in my life, personally, professionally, spiritually. And I just knew I needed to have a change. And uh, I had a very dear, dear life coach, Miss Claire Sturr, who was uh, just an amazing lady who um, unfortunately passed away way too young. But she had taught me so much about self-discovery. And I think that book and that moment connected all of the values and items that Claire tried to teach me with sort of this this wave of where am I going to go next. And while all that was happening, I ended up getting a phone call from the company saying, hey, you spent 18 years working really hard for us, growing and building. We want you to move to San Francisco and become a corporate vice president and with the senior vice president, we want you all to run the West Coast. So I'd spent 18 years, 20 years in corporate trying to climb the corporate ladder and get that opportunity. And, and the day was. I was offered it, um, my soul felt empty and <gasps> knew in my heart, I don't want it. Wow. I mean, that's an incredible moment. Oh. The, what you spent 18 years working for is at your doorstep, waiting, ready for you to grab it, and you s- close the door. I'll never forget. It was December 31st, 2012 making the call to say, hey, not only am I not going to take that opportunity, <gasps> but I'm going to resign from the company and I'm going to go start my own business. Oh, my gosh. And when my wife got up off the floor after we discussed <laughs> it, um, we put our heads together and said, let's go make this happen. Wow. What an amazing, What that's a great place to leave it. I can't believe we're out of time. See, Eric, how fast it goes. It goes amazingly fast with two great hosts asking questions. <laughs> oh, shucks. Oh, shucks. All right. Well, why don't you take us you out? wrap it up? You wrap it up. Well, thanks again for another edition of Beyond the Business Heard here on this is weird. 94.3 WSC. <laughs> and if you missed one of our shows previously, simply go to our website at coastalwm.com. <laughs> com and check out one of our uh, podcasts there and you'll see the radio icon just click on that and you'll check it out and low country look forward to having you back next saturday morning and until then have a blessed week thank you for listening to beyond the business on news radio 94.3 wsc tune in next saturday morning at nine o'clock for beyond the business hosted by eric cox and leslie haywood and heard exclusively on news radio 94.3 wsc